Uh, good to see you all. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ to especially people gathered here this morning in Sanctuary and uh, online worshiper. My name is Kara E, one of the pastors, associate pastor here at First GMC in Kearney. So I'm thankful for God giving me opportunity to share the message with you this morning. Okay, they're still coming down. <laughs> I've, been, I've been waiting for them. Yep. All right, um, big fires are happening all over the world right now. In Canada, there is a huge wildfire that's been going on for three months. Fires are happening in almost every part of the region. And they say it's the biggest wildfire ever in Canada. And it looks like it's going to keep burning for more than a month. So this means that the damage could get even worse. About a month ago, Hawaii's also got some really bad fires going on that have taken the lives of over 100 folks and uh, sent thousands packing. The situation is being made worse by a bunch of stuff, you know, happening on the ground and in the sky like a tornado. And one big fire did a number on Lahaina, which is an old town on Maui, and there are still lots of people missing. That's why the search isn't over yet. The fire also harmed and ruined some of the really old and important places. These places are like uh, treasures from a long time ago, when missionaries and sailors were living there. The fire could have left behind harmful remnants and might negatively influence Hawaii's waters and coral relief, reefs and plant life and animal species over a significant duration. It's a, it cost a lot of money, billions of dollars, and it burned down almost 3,000 buildings like houses and structures. There aren't enough places for people to live away, live right away, and this situation also made people worry that they might have to move away from, from their homes for a long time. So I really pray that God will embrace the victims of fire with a comforting touch and a healing arm. Whenever such unfortunate events happen, we wonder, does God exist? Is God powerless? Or like, why does he permit suffering? Or like, why do bad things happen to good people? Why? Why? There are some questions that we have all asked at some point in our faith journey in our lives, right? To non-believers, the response is simply that God is either not all good, not all knowing, not all powerful, or he doesn't exist. In response to these questions, many atheists and scholars have come up with this hypothesis. Premise one, if God were all powerful, he could prevent evil and suffering. And premise two, if God were all good, all knowing, he would want to prevent evil and suffering. So conclusion is like that. If God were all powerful, all good, all knowing, there would be no suffering and evil in this world. But the problem comes next. But evil and suffering do exist. The conclusion, that's why there's no all powerful, all good, all knowing God. Like a God in the Bible doesn't exist. It sounds, it's, it makes sense, right? Doesn't it? 
But as people of faith, like you, you know, you know, children of God, we believe that God is all good, God is all powerful, God is all knowing. Can I get an amen? Amen. So then how are we to answer those questions which arise on our faith journey? Like, how can we make sense of existence, of suffering and evil in this world? To begin with, it is because of free will, the free choice. According to John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, God grants humanity the gift of free will, like enabling individuals to make choices and freely respond to God's grace. That's why we are here, right? In the beginning, when God created heaven and earth, man was given free will to choose to do both what is right or what is wrong. That's why we have witnessed a range of horrific events, such as abuse, addiction, perversion, murder of innocent, rape, incest, and other forms of evil. Do you think that God already predetermined and predestined such tragedies? Do you believe that God already plans for us to suffer? That's why terrorist attacks, genocide, and mass shootings are all manifestations of evil that arise from the exercise of free will. It's not God's plan. No, not at all. Suffering is often caused by our own choices or others' wrong decisions. Here is the interesting uh, passage coming out of Luke chapter 13, verse 11. It says that some people telling Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. This account of Galileans and Pilate are not mentioned anywhere else in the scripture, but apparently what happened was this. There were some Galilean Jews who worshipped at the temple, which was located in Jerusalem, but they were murdered by Pilate for some unknown reason while they were worshipping. It reminds us of like a gun shooting, you know, in a modern age in the church, right? During worship service. Many scholars don't know why it happened. Perhaps it was due to a disturbance that they were making or causing. Whatever the reason was, Pilate killed them and mixed their blood with the blood of the sacrifices on the altar for worship. Nonsense, though. This for sure was an extremely horrific and outrageous crime. The people who brought this story up were wondering whether God is punishing them, you know, due to the, uh, through the Pilate, due to their hidden sin or wrongdoing. And this is how Jesus answered them. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. It means that they didn't deserve to die any more than we do. So why did this happen to them? I found a clue uh, from Jesus' answer. Since he didn't talk about their hidden sin, wrongdoing, or God's punishment at all. So it is safe to say that the tragedy occurred because of Pilate's, Pilate's evil heart and violence when he misused his free will. So freedom is like a two-edged sword. People are able to make choices that are both right or wrong. 
That's why we live in a world where the evil exists. You might ask, so then, why didn't God create the world where we always make the right choices? Yes, that sounds really good. If he, he had the ability to do that, it seems like it would be much better. But it would mean taking away our free will. Additionally, it would have ended up being a world without you know, any real love or connection with God. Like it'd be like a bunch of robots, you know, programmed just going through the motions without genuine affections, like a just like that robot, right? For instance, if your spouse is designed to love you, would that be real love? Are you happy with that? Hun, I love you. Hun, I love you. Are, are you happy, happy with that? No? Like if your kids are programmed to obey your words, would be that true obedience? You're happy, happy with that? If people didn't have the freedom to choose to love and obey, the world would lack warmth and be devoid of any real emotions. It's our freedom to choose that brings those real emotions to the table. If God, who wants to have true relationship with us, had forced us to love him, it wouldn't be the genuine you know, emotion or love. Thus, he even at the risk of such dangers, has given us the free will so that we can freely enter into a true relationship with him and, follow to, and to follow him, love him, obey him. And secondly, it is because of sin. The world was supposed to be good and perfect when God created it. But then sin messed everything up. Now we are stuck in this totally different world from what, had, what God initially had in mind. It's like we are living in a fallen version of what it was supposed to be. This fallenness affects how we think, the culture we have, how we act, and even you know, what we think is right or wrong. And here's the kicker. A lot of suffering we experience is because of our own actions, whether we meant it or not. The choices we make can end up hurting others. Even when we are trying to do good, sometimes we still mess things up. And that's the reality that we should, you know, deal with. So Jesus continues the conversation by mentioning another event. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the other living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. The fall of the tower of Siloam is not also cited anywhere else in the scripture. This is the only story. So we don't know any details of the collapse. But what is certain is that the Siloam was a pool associated with the water supply from Gihon to Jerusalem. And the tower in Siloam, it could have been like a part of a this uh, acquitted thing or some construction project that uh, the pilot started up. The tower unexpectedly and unfortunately fell, and 18 people in Jerusalem were killed in the catastrophe. When we hear about stuff like going down, you know, going, this going down, it's only natural for us to start asking, why it happened? Why? Why does God allow this to happen to me? 
Why does it allow the big earthquake or the tsunami that followed? Or why does it allow tornadoes, Canada and Hawaii's wild, wildfire, and deadly diseases like a coronavirus to threaten you know, people's well-being in our, our lives? Again, we may be wondering to ourselves, if God is all good, all powerful, all knowing, why doesn't God stop mass tragedies or natural disasters from occurring, right? I don't know about you. You may, you may have heard that if you just believe in Jesus Christ, everything will go smoothly. No pain, no suffering, no problems. Like, you know, and if you pray, all your requests will be answered. And you might misunderstand and think that Christians suffer because they lack faith. They don't pray enough. They don't worship properly. They don't give enough in offerings. But when we look around this, you know, we can see people who faithfully attend worship service, pray honestly, and different, you know, diligently study the word of God, yet still experience hardships, right? Just by looking at the Bible, you will see a bunch of people who believed in Jesus Christ, but still went through troubles. Even the Paul and the Jesus disciples went through tough times while spreading the gospel, the God's work. They believed in Jesus and lived their faith journey, yet they faced suffering. So why did they go through all that, even though they were devoted believers? The reason is that being a Christian doesn't mean you are free from problems. Don't get me wrong. Of course, if we believe in Jesus, you might find success in business and work and get healed from illness and or even like an, uh, achieve fame according to his ultimate wisdom and plan and purpose. But it's not like a, some guaranteed formula, as you can see around us. Christians, just like non-Christians, go through all kinds of pain and suffering in this world. Bob Ross is a, one of the famous painters. You know, you know the, who he is, like, yeah, in the old-fashioned, right? <laughs> Bob's wife was Jane, uh, who was always with him as his sec uh, secretary. Then one day, Jane departs from this world due to cancer. While going through difficult days, this episode was shot, and he said, If you have light on light, you have nothing. If you have dark on dark, you have nothing. It's like in life. You gotta have a little sadness once in a while, so you know when the good times are coming. I'm waiting on the good times now. Even at his lowest point, he remained a bearer of hope. I faced various hardships as well during seminary years, particularly. It feels like I've been through a lifetime of struggle in just two years. Being an international student was tough enough with language problems being just the tip of the iceberg, you know. I had to juggle part-time jobs and the studying during weekdays. And on top of that, I served at church on weekends, so I hardly had a day off, just went back and forth between school, dorm, church, school, dorm, church, like a hamster on a wheel. During those tough times, my wife, Hejong had a car accident and had to scrap my car. 
She who didn't know she was pregnant at the time had a miscarriage at 10 weeks. It was our both first and last child after seven years of marriage. It was really hard for us mentally and you know, emotionally and physically for my wife. My grandmother and father-in-law passed away in a matter of months, and I couldn't even attend their funerals due to my studies. It still weighs on my heart. Just as the sadness was slowly healing, my wife suddenly found something strange in her breast and urgently went to Korea. And the re test results showed it was cancer. And we had to leave apart for eight months while she underwent surgery and treatment. At the time, things were extremely difficult. And I seriously considered quitting my studies and returning to my home country. But here's the thing. When my car was scrapped, I was financially struggling, but God allowed me the opportunity to lease a new one. When we lost our child after seven years of marriage and had to say goodbye to my grandmother and father-in-law, it was mentally tough, but God gave me a heart that could truly understand and empathize with the pain of others in the similar situations. Also, when my wife was diagnosed with cancer, she started paying more attention to her health. And over time, she's become healthier, which is something I'm really grateful for. So looking back, I realized that Jesus was with me in the every moment of hardship. And he also gave me a strength to overcome them. So I'm confident that trials and training I've received during this time will be a great foundation and the form faith and the help in my future ministry. I don't know about you. There may be someone this morning here who is uh, currently going through hardships. If so, we must not let our suffering be reduced to the same hardships that the rest of the world experiences. Our sufferings should serve the gospel, the church, and glory of God. This is our mission as Christians. So please don't just be in pain because of your hardships. We can be in pain due to illness, and we can struggle if we, our business or our work are not going well. We may also have difficulty because of you know, issues with children or broken relationships. But don't just leave things like that. According to God's wisdom, we are allowed to experience pain and suffering at some point. And even these negative things that we, can't, we, we experience can provide us with opportunities for growth and leading us you know, to develop a greater capacity for love and wisdom, right? So, hence, when we face difficulties, we should turn our question from, why is this happening to me, to how should I handle this? How should I respond to this? It's because we cannot control what has already happened, right? But we can control our reaction to it. It would be unwise to fixate on the matters that are beyond our control. It's, it is not that God doesn't have the power to prevent these unexpected things. He doesn't stop them according to his ultimate wisdom and plan. In the book of Job, God says, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? 
Surely you know. Who scratched the measuring line across it? Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the downest place? Can you bind the beautiful Pleiades? Can you lose the cords of Orion? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cups? All these years later, we still don't know. We don't know why God allows us to experience tragedies and suffering. But we will be able to ask him when we meet him face to face. Amen. So like Job, someday we are able to, well, all we are able to confess is that we, uh, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. But what is certain is that God promised us, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Amen. This assures us that every detail in our lives of love for God is working to something good, great, awesome. We can have hope that all things will work together for the good according to his purpose. And it gives us the endurance and the assurance to move forward and go forward. God's will is always good, pleasing, and perfect. God is bringing the best out of us and is developing a well-formed maturity in us. That's why we can confess that God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Amen. Even though we, we frequently don't fully understand what God's will is in our lives, we can endure with the firm faith and hope that God is at work in all things for those who love him and that we will ultimately taste and see that God is good. Life seems unfair. Good people struggle. Bad people thrive. Our good intentions often get misunderstood and sometimes hurt others. But complaining, you know, doesn't change things. Blaming others or criticizing others don't change at all. You know, there's no life without problems. Therefore, we must practice living with problems. We have to ensure that these issues do not devastate our lives. Suffering is tough, no doubt about it. But God is gracious, and the abundance of God's grace resembles an endless ocean, continuously pouring out, to, pouring out into our lives without ever running dry. His grace is ever-present to support us in every situation we encounter. So when we find ourselves in the midst of suffering, if we turn our question from, why is this happening to me? To how should I respond to it? How should I handle this? God surely strengthens and he empowers us to get through it. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, when we see our broken world, innocent victims and needy people, may we mourn with those who mourn and may we take care of them. When we face unexpected difficulties, help us to question from why to how and move forward to you, Lord. We are convinced that your overflowing love and grace helps, protects, and guides us in our faith journeys, particularly in the midst of suffering. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.